Thank you for tuning in to Passion for Purity. This is the podcast for Christian young men who are fighting to have sexual integrity while living in a hypersexualized culture. I'm your host, Wesley Reinhardt, and this is episode 04 entitled Defining Sexual Immorality. We'll add some definitions to commonly used and misused terms when it comes to our fight for sexual purity. Let's dive in. Defining sexual immorality. That's today's topic. I was listening to a guy on YouTube actually named Jim Cece, and he said, in order to understand sexual immorality, you have to understand sexual morality. There's design, and then there's anti-design. I really like that. So first, let's take a look at the design so we can see the deviations from it. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Okay, chapter 2, verse 21 and this is a, a foundational text for the family unit, for marriage. It says a lot. Uh, verse 21, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And here's the big one. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So there you have it. In those few short verses, we have God's plan clearly laid out. God's plan for our sexuality. There it is. One man, one woman, within the bounds of the covenant relationship of marriage, unified. They are separated from the father and mother. They are now one in and of themselves. And the one flesh is a symbol of that. Obviously, sex is a big part of that, but that's not all of it. It's, it's an entire unity. So, with that in view, let's look at some of the anti-designs. Well, first you have... You have big ones like homosexuality, okay? Obviously, that goes against it immediately because it's a man and a woman, okay? But then you have things like adultery and fornication. And as I was looking into these terms, we toss these around a lot. And it's commonly understood, well, fornication is sex before you're married and adultery is sex with someone that you're not married to while you are married. And uh, those are good definitions, but they're not nuanced uh, in the ways that they should be, okay? Because fornication is actually a much broader term. And we see it in the Old Testament Old Testament and New Testament, this idea. Um, so let's look at the Old Testament idea of fornication, and then we'll move on to the New. Okay, in Hebrew, the transliteration is zena, okay? And the meaning, it's to commit fornication, to commit adultery, to be a harlot or a prostitute. Those are some of the, the functions that it can take in the Old Testament. And essentially, the Old Testament uses that. It points toward fornication being that intimate oneness outside of the bonds of a covenant relationship. So this is why when you read the prophets, you can get Hosea saying, you have fornicated yourselves with the gods of the people of the land. You have had oneness with them, but you're not in a covenant relationship with them. And the one true God, he is saying, I desire a relationship with you. I want that oneness, that true worship. And yet you were fornicating yourselves. 
that's some pretty big theological implications right there. But if we take it back to the human relationship side, we see a lot more of that in the New Testament uh, and still some of the theological side, okay? In the New Testament, we see pornea as the Greek transliteration uh, that's often it's often written as fornication. But this can mean broad sexual immorality, uh, illicit sexual intercourse in general, adultery, unchastity, incest, surrendering, surrendering or selling off sexual purity, or whoredom. So you see, that is really broad, fornication. Again, all of those are deviations from God's original plan. Sex, oneness within the bonds of a covenant relationship. So adultery can actually be fornication. Not all fornication is adultery, but all adultery is fornication. So these are sexual actions, but let's also consider a couple of other areas that are outside of God's design for our sexuality. So those are between a man and a woman, right? But let's talk about more internal issues like lust. What is that? So the Greek word transliterated as lust is epithumeo, okay? And at its root, it really means to covet something, to have a strong desire, okay? So when Jesus says, whoever looks at a woman with lust commits adultery in his heart, that's a pretty high standard. Well, you say, is that just Jesus in the New Testament? He's heightening the command from the Old Testament. The Old Testament was, well, don't commit adultery, um, don't fornicate. But here's a couple passages that make you think twice that looking with lust or even thinking with sexual desire that's still sin if it's not within God's, God's plan, the covenant bonds of marriage. Deuteronomy 5.21, this is the re-giving of the law, the second time that the Ten Commandments are given. And you may remember this. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Okay, so that could have a pretty strong sexual connotation. But here's another one, Job 31.1. This is when Job is giving the defense of his righteousness, his morality. He's saying, I haven't sinned. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze upon a maid? So Job knew that even looking with sexual desire, with lust, was a sin. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament. When in your mind, you look with lust, that is outside of God's plan for your sexual abilities. That's not there. Okay, so adultery, fornication, that's sex with people, right? Homosexuality, sex within a, a homosexual relationship. Again, outside of God's plan. Let's go one more. What about masturbation? And this is another big one. I've heard several guys say, well, I just do it every so often to help with temptation because it lowers some of that pressure. And here's my biggest problem with it. There are several really great arguments out there, but I, I think this is one of the best ones. If you go back and simply look at God's plan for our sexual capacity, it's to promote oneness within the covenant relationship of marriage. And when someone masturbates, they're bending that capability back in towards themselves. That's simply not in God's plan, not to mention the lustful thoughts that often accompany it, because there's no doubt those are wrong. So 
when you see that, masturbation, that's just not in God's plan. It's not there. Thus, we conclude that sexual integrity, it means harnessing your sexual capacities and using them within their God-ordained context. Again, it's the covenant bonds of a monogamous marriage relationship. I want to read Hebrews 13.4 to close out today's episode. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. It is a sin to a holy God when we take our sexual abilities and we use them outside of the plan that he has given. Whether that's an action with another human being, whether that's a thought or a lust that takes place in our own mind, whether that's masturbation that takes place with our own body, all of that is a sin against a holy God. He wants us to use our sexuality according to how it was designed within the bounds of marriage. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, keep fighting.